why I think Tesla FSD is already done and the secret behind Tesla's speed and innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to the weekly review. I'm your host Farzad Vespahi and I spend the next half an hour, 45 minutes sitting down and just dumping my brain on you, like it or not, sorry. <laughs> you clicked on the video, I'm sorry. <laughs> but essentially I use this forum to sit down and recollect my thoughts for the week and sort of share where my head is at uh, in different topics. So thank you very much for joining. Uh, just a heads up, uh, for the folks that have been listening to this sort of format, uh, started with this intro screen and I think I'm gonna start um, featuring artists that uh, I, I listen to or are local or I, I'm, I'm close to and I know on this sort of starting screen. And then I, what I would love to do at the end of these reviews uh, or these episodes is to play the song in full. So if you're somebody who is an artist and would like to get their music out there, uh, feel, feel free to send me an email at info, Farzad Mespahi, I'll put a link for it right here somewhere, uh, at gmail.com. And, um, you know, if it's something that I vibe with or it's something that I really enjoy, I'll, I'll put it up on my episode and we'll uh, use this format to sort of get your music out there. Uh, being a musician myself, I'm sure you can see the guitars over there somewhere. I think uh, as this platform sort of grows, one of the things I really want to do is support uh, artists and musicians. And I think there's really room for... Uh, I think for a lot of folks to to do that. And so I want to make sure I, I do that on my end. So I think I'm going to start using these sort of spots for that. So if you're somebody who likes to play music or somebody that enjoys sort of building, um, you know, making uh, music and wants to get it out there, send me an email. And then if I vibe with it, I'll put it right on this channel. So thank you very much for doing that. Anyway. All right, first topic for today, and probably why you click this on this video, which is probably gonna be the title and probably the thumbnail of the video is why I think full self-driving, Tesla's full self-driving is probably already done or call it 99% complete. And most people, um, especially outside of the Tesla community are not aware of it at all. And I think there have been things that have happened here recently in the last month or two that are clues as to why this is the case. So let me sort of sit down and give you a baseline of of why why I think we are what we are with why I think we are where we are with Tesla's full self driving. So some of the happenings that have happened. Number one, as we all know, Elon is purchasing Twitter which is going to be a gigantic time sink, most likely. And when we say gigantic, we're probably saying like anywhere between, you know, 10 to 20% of his time, which for uh, someone like him, it's, is a, it's a significant man hours, especially compared to other folks that don't have the sort of level of, I believe the level of uh, execution uh, that he has. Okay. So, you know, one hour in Elon's world is probably 10 hours in mine. I don't know. The dude's just way, way, way better at that stuff. So, but it's going to be a significant, significant uh, portion of his time. That's one. Number two, the head of of uh, AI for the company, so Andre Karpathy, went on sabbatical, I think about a month ago, maybe a little bit longer, maybe a little bit shorter. Uh, but this is the person essentially that heads the entire AI unit for Tesla, think of it. You know, they, they definitely have that team built in a way where there's gonna be folks uh, that work for Andre that are gonna be doing more specific stuff or more, um, or things that are more focused for the full self-driving uh, software itself. But essentially, Andre is the leader. He's leading that entire team and ensures that everything's sort of in the right spot. Okay. Um, so, and then the third thing as well is that if you've noticed for the last, say, 
few months. If you're somebody who follows Elon Musk and somebody that sort of, you know, watches his interviews and jumps on the calls, it seems like Elon for the last while has been a in a pretty good mood. Um, if you if you sort of flash back to you know, especially during the FUD years, as I like to call them, 2017, 2018, 2019, um, it was very obvious that Elon was going through a very tough time. He looked very tired. Uh, he had a, he sort of had a, you know, he, you could tell that he was impatient in certain settings. Um, you know, he just wanted to get stuff done and visually he just looked tired. He looked tired and he looked stressed. Um, lately he's been looking, you know, he's, he looks pretty good, but he's been very cheerful. He's cracking jokes on the quarterly calls. He seems very, he seems very measured and, you know, he's, he's all, he's all focused on what's going on and it's giving, um, answers in a way that I think somebody that would be in his mental state, uh, is probably relaxed when he's given those answers. Right. But that third one is probably, it's just more gut feel. There's nothing obviously scientific about any of this really, but there's three, those three things together, I think, paints a, a very solid picture of as to why FSD is done. So let me walk you through my logic. So if you are uh, the founder of the company, in this case, Elon, uh, and the leader of the company, and as he stated many times, the AI portion of the, of the business, so call it full self-driving and sort of loosely tied to that, the bot, these things are priority number one priority number one for the company. And you've stated this multiple times. Okay. Why would you go and, uh, why would you go and buy something like a Twitter that's going to take, uh, time away from your other projects in a significant way? Okay. Even if Elon has the bandwidth of 10 X, the average person call it, there's still a limited number of hours that Elon's able to spend working uh, on things. Okay. So he goes ahead and buys Twitter. So that's say 10 to 20% of his time goes away. Then his leader is given the go ahead, uh, his uh, full self drive, his uh, AI leader, Andre Karpathy, is given the go ahead to go on a, what is it, four month sabbatical to go and do whatever he needs to do. Okay, so then you essentially remove a significant percentage of the leadership structure that's there to ensure that stuff gets done. And that's how leaders work in, in organizations. They're there to steer the ship in the right direction, to ensure that folks are always working on the right things and to sort of chip in and give ideas where, where they feel they, they can and help in any way possible to remove obstacles to finish a specific project, okay? And then you see Elon being very cheerful, okay? These three things combined, Okay, tells me very, very, very confidently that full self-driving is either ready to launch, okay, or it's at the point now where those pieces, so the leadership structure and Elon's sort of like overwhelming attention going to that project is not needed anymore, okay? And I think with the release of whatever version is going to come out here in the next week or two that Elon announced in the last week or so, I think that's going to become com confirmation that we're on the path for this to actually happen. I find it very, very strange that something like this would happen where Elon shifts attention away and the leader goes, essentially goes away for a while, it takes a break, unless this stuff is done. Or at the very least, they have people in place where that leadership structure is 100% confident they're done, okay? Let me put it in a different context. You'll be working on this full self-driving thing in reality for, say, the last uh, six to eight years, okay? If you think about when Tesla shifted away from autopilot with Mobileye to uh, their Navigator and Autopilot suite, that sort of eight-camera 
hardware suite that Tesla has built in-house. When that shift happened, that was really in earnest, the beginning of Tesla working on self-driving software. Okay. And so you're working on this for the last six to eight years. Okay. And then based on the communication that Elon and the team has given for the last few years, you know, full self-driving is the, is a key thing that's going to happen. And as a very late Elon has said over and over again, I'm very confident this is going to get done in 2022 at the end of this year. Okay. Why would you start taking your attention away from that project that you've been intensely working on for six to eight years, unless you were done? <laughs> the other scenario is that you, you just, it's, it's a failure and it's not going to work out right and they're lying and this thing is just dead in the water and they need to sort of like re you know they're like okay well screw full stuff i'm gonna go focus on twitter now and andre's going away and he's probably gonna go away forever right so that's the where where i think folks that um perhaps are bearish on the software would that's sort of the justification they would make right it's like well they're they're looking to distract themselves with something else because this is too hard and it's not going to work okay but having worked at tesla i know i know this firsthand is that people really didn't take vacations in that company unless stuff, huge projects were done. Okay. 99% of the time, myself included, I wouldn't take a vacation and my peers wouldn't take any vacations unless a major product project that we're working on is either at completion or all the pieces are in place for that thing to be completed in the next couple of weeks. Okay. And I'm not saying full self-driving is something that's going to be hundred percent complete in the next couple of weeks, but it's 100%, in my opinion, 100% going to be absolutely ready to be launched this year. And this is how I see the rollout playing out. So they will probably take the subset of cities that have the best weather and the best call it uh, road, road markings, some sort of combination there where they are hundred percent confident that full self-driving is going to work, you know, 99.99999% of the time, you know, and have a safety rating that's going to be significantly higher than a human. So, and that will happen in my, in my opinion, at the end of this year, say December, 20, 2022, that limited release call it limited release of complete full self-driving will be live. Okay. Could be probably most of California because y'all that live in California are blessed with incredible weather. Congratulations. I'm very jealous. So folks in California call it Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco, San Diego. Okay. Probably New Mexico, probably Arizona. Um, maybe, maybe Texas, maybe Austin. The interesting thing about Austin is that, uh, you know, I do have full self-driving beta and as, as the car has been getting better, it's been handling the road situations much, much better. Uh, but there's still some wonkiness about this city because of road markings that are interesting. But regardless, eight months from today, from April, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time for Tesla to get this stuff figured out. These like small things. And again, Tesla would, or Elon wouldn't buy Twitter and Andre wouldn't go on sabbatical unless they're 100% confident this will get done this year as well. I just, that's my firm belief. That's my firm belief. The other thing to keep in mind is that eight months, so like say from here to what is it, May? So seven months, call it seven months from now to December. Seven months in Tesla is like three years anywhere else, four years anywhere else. Okay. And I, again, I say this having worked at the company, stuff just moves way faster than, than anybody expects. It's, it's, it's so freaking fast constantly. 
And I want to talk about this as to why this is the case as well, sort of like a transitional topic. And yeah, those, those things combined with how the software is going to release at the end of this year, I think, I, I just, I believe that people don't expect that to happen. And if you go out on forums and if you go on Twitter and you listen to the folks that have been following this sort of storyline, there's still a lot of doubt that this is going to happen. There's still a lot of folks out there that are still um, doubtful, you know, and honestly, rightly so. There's nothing wrong with people not having full confidence that this is going to get done. You know, it's that's kind of what happens when, you know, in this case, Elon is saying, you know, six weeks, maybe six months, definitely. <laughs> that's one of the legendary memes that's sort of come out of this whole thing. But, you know, when you keep repeating over and over again that this is not going to get done in time, um, or that you're going to say it's going to get done much faster than it actually gets done, you lose trust, right? Right? You lose some sort of a rapport that you had with your fan base. But then you also notice the stone shift. This is yet another thing as to why I think this is much closer than people think. Anytime Tesla has gotten sandbaggy with stuff, okay, when they start getting sandbaggy with stuff, meaning if you're not familiar with the term sandbagging, is when you're, you are under-promising but over-delivering. Think of it that way. You say, hey, we're going to grow 50% year over year, and then you end up growing 80%. That's an example. The, the verbiage around full self-driving has changed as well with Elon. right? He's saying, and this is sort of a part of the interviews that people follow. You know, this is sort of not verbatim, but sort of the quote is something along the lines of, full self-driving has proven to be very difficult because anytime you think you're done, there's a lot more challenges ahead of you. There's a lot more... Um, there are things that you don't really figure out until you hit a, a limit and then you got to sort of re regroup and regroup and regroup and full self-driving has been in, in a way the biggest lesson for him and that team for that specific type of challenge. Okay. And the, the, the best way to describe it is you have a logarithmic sort of curve. So you make a bunch of progress in the first, say, um, you know, 80% of that, of that thing, or not even 80%. So you go up straight line and then all of a sudden you tail off for like, the next 90 days and then for you to take the next step up you have to sort of rework how you approach the the software essentially so this is this is sandbaggy type verbiage this is elon coming out you know rightfully so saying that hey this is very difficult it's something that is going to be extremely challenging but but we feel confident that we're going to get it done this year and that verbiage has, hasn't really changed. So, so sort of a combination of like sandbagging and also re, reconfirming their sort of uh, intention of when they think they're going to get it done. But the fact that, again, the fact that the, 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 Twitter, the Twitter purchase, the more I think about it, I think it has way more underlying connotations and way more underlying um, um, things to it that if you really start thinking about it within the context of everything else that Elon's working on, it really brings to light just how, how smoothly those companies that he has under his wing right now, especially SpaceX and Tesla, how smoothly they are running right now or up to the standard that he believes is smooth or good enough for him to steer his attention away from that to solving yet another humongous problem or a humongous, call it challenge that Elon views as very important. In this case, Twitter, free speech, blah, 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 right? And an opportunity for him to, to make that happen, okay? It's really, really interesting. It's really, really interesting. And the more I think about it, I think the more, the more obvious that becomes. 
Uh, again, I think once that this week's release or next week's release, whenever the one, whenever that release comes out where Elon says, this is a big one, right? This is a big one. And he likes to just hype this stuff up. Okay. He does. But because of those things that have happened beforehand with him buying Twitter and Karpathy leaving and stuff like that, I think that that combination is going to make it very, very obvious that we are basically there. We're basically there. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of collecting the data, putting it through the computers, dojo or whatever, or manual labeling, whatever process they have right now. It's just a process of, of repetition, right? Take data, label, throw in computer, computer figures it out, boom, you go. Like sort of that, iter that iterative process that they've built in the sort of a, whatever they have going on that improves the system, the faith is there for that thing to complete full self-driving. And they ain't got to be there. <laughs> Andre does not need to be there for this to happen. Now, I'm going to start tying this into the reason why Tesla is so innovative and fast, having been there over four years. And I think, again, sort of ties to Elon and Andre sort of being, people like to call it distracted, but in, the way I think about it is that now they have bandwidth to take care of other things that they want to take care of. That's how I think about it. Tesla, especially for its size, especially for its size, does an incredible job at empowering its employees. A really, really good job. And so the way I explain this is, and, and I've talked about this before in my videos, but it's oftentimes, say the first six months of me working at the company, I was truly shocked by how much trust they had in me as a as a as an employee at the company to get stuff done. Okay? Huge projects where I didn't have any background in that stuff whatsoever. You know? They're like, "Here you go. I need you to do this." And you're like, "I don't know how to do any of it. I've never done this before." And it's how how big of a project? How big of an impact? Oh. Oh, it's going to if I don't make this happen, it's going to like bring service to a halt. Okay. And you're sure I I, I need to do this. Like, is I'm the right person for this? Yeah, yeah, you got this. You got this. Go get it, right? Weird. <laughs> so weird. But that's the reason why Tesla has such an incredible team and why they're able to execute at such a high level and why they move so fast. I'm going to go ahead and put up a chart right now uh, on this screen that describes this, I think, the best in the best way possible. Okay. What's the timestamp right now? So I can figure out 19 minutes. All right. So right around 19 minutes, I'm giving myself the mental clue that I should put up a chart right here. So here's the chart. Okay. So there's two axes. There is the call it the company size axis. And then the I'm going to call it the employee empowerment axis. Okay. Typically, what happens, and this is true, probably for 99% of companies, and the reason why I know this is because I've worked at different companies before this one. And I, I have a network where I, I talk to people that work for companies that are, are of a certain size, right? It's just a, just a sample size. And this isn't like, this isn't 100% scientific. This is just, I'm trying to uh, describe a point as to why Tesla's, what Tesla's secret sauce is essentially. And I think this is the best graphical representation of it. Okay. So. What typically happens is the smaller the company is, the more empowered or the more trust you have from the company or the leadership of that company, 
to get stuff done or to complete projects or to make decisions, right? And at that, what, what typically happened is because you're so small, you say you're a hundred person company or even a 50 person company, especially if you're a startup in the technology sector, um, you, you're almost like in a desperate situation because you're probably in a situation where you have, you have little funding and you need outsized work and outsized effort, meaning that you have to put more than average effort and time and, 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 and hours into a specific project or thing that you're working on to ensure that the company is successful. And the smaller the company, you're almost forced to trust the people that you have because you literally can't hire anyone else. You don't have enough funding to have a staff, okay? And so if you look at the chart here on the upper left-hand corner, you can see as the company is smaller, the, that empowerment of the employee is essentially at its peak, okay? And then what ends up happening over time, especially if a company is successful and they start growing, is that as the company grows, that empowerment, that flexibility, that freedom that the employee has to make decisions for the company, big decisions, sort of like freedom of, of, of solving problems, that diminishes over time. And the reason why is because we live in a sort of uh, society, or I guess not society is not the right word. For some reason, work culture uh, works this way. And if, you, and if you're familiar with any of this, please drop it in the comments and help me sort of uh, perhaps either prove this point or, or, or disprove it. Because this, again, this is just my opinion. This is, I think, why this is happening. So please leave a comment if you agree or disagree with this. Is that as a company grows in size and people, there is this push to standardization there is this push to um, um, SOPs or standardized operating procedures, think of it that way, where the company is incentivized in a way to ensure that nobody gets out of line or that nobody makes the wrong decision. Essentially, it's a de-risking of wrong things happening. And the bigger you get, the way company leadership usually looks at the staff is that, hey, we're not, we're not bringing on people, but the more people we bring on, the more likely potentially it is that someone's going to mess something up really bad and then all of us are going to be stuck doing the work to fix it, okay? And so what ends up happening is that roles become much more focused. Roles become much more standardized. They become much more repetitious, right? They become much more standardized where eventually the goal of a company would be to essentially get, uh, <laughs> I hate to put it this way, but a, a company's goal is to essentially, especially if, a, if it's a really large company, each human, they would be the happiest if the human is essentially like a drone. Like here, and that's why you have job descriptions at, at, at companies. You know, like when you when you look up a, a job description for a company, they have, they have a list of things that they want you to do. And the bigger the company, the more they want you to keep to that list. And they want you to be perfect at it and they, they want you to deviate because A, that's how they ensure that you don't step out of line. They maximize your chances of not stepping out of line. And then two, they've built um, ways to compensate you by tracking these specific things. And so if you step out of line, the company freaks out and they don't really know what to do. They don't know how to value you. And I'm going to make a controversial statement here. And I, I'm not anti-union, but I'm just going to say it anyway. And it's even worse in a union environment because then union environments are super strict when it comes to this super strict. 
And the larger a company gets, the more likely it is that that company will become unionized as well. That's sort of a separate point. But that's why you have this, this trend of as the company grows, the empowerment of the individual worker diminishes because it's in the best interest of the company if the company's mentality is to de-risk uh, its workforce from making mistakes or doing things that they can't track, it just naturally happens, okay? And that's why you have sort of people always talk about corporate America. I'll use American as example, corporate America. That's why you have a significant percentage of the population out there that work on a daily basis. They hate their jobs because they go in and do the same thing over and over again, right? And upward mobility is limited. If, if this if this jives with what I'm about to say with, with your daily life, your work life, let me know. How many times have you been in a situation where um, you have to be at a job for a certain amount of time to get promoted, right? You, you know, oh, the guy that got promoted uh, was here for four years, right? So you got to put in the time and you got to show that you're very good at being repetitious, right? It's not so much that you're being rewarded for thinking outside the box and coming up with new ideas. You're rewarded for doing the same thing as long as possible without making mistakes, okay? Let me know if that connects with you in any way. The reason why Tesla is so different and the reason why in the graph that, I, that I've put up, the reason why it essentially breaks the graph is because especially at its size of over 100,000 people, I think the last time Elon said it's 110,000 person uh, company, the empowerment and the trust that that company has on its employees is still through the roof. It's off the charts, okay? And I can say this firsthand because I was there for over four years and I, and I led teams and I work with other people that led teams at one point, I was running a facility with almost 100 people, which, you know, some people might like, it's not that big, directly working with 100 people. And this practice was common everywhere, where as leadership, you have to, the only way to run this company well is if you empower the hell out of your people. And the way you empower your people is you allow anybody, anyone to offer ideas, to be part of a solution, regardless of where they fit in that equation. One of the examples that I gave in one of my interviews was that we had a we had a janitor at our facility that ended up building tools that raised the overall distribution network's output capacity by like 20%. I forget what the exact number is. But he built a he built a thing with his bare hands, and this thing allowed us to become way faster on the out the on the outbound floor. Okay, Mike, if you're watching this, Mike, I I have not forgotten. Freaking beast! When you have that sort of environment where anybody can come in and have an outsized impact to the company, especially at that size of of company, you automatically become a super fast, super innovative company. And the very interesting thing to think about within that context is that Tesla has almost broken that um, formula of as the bigger that the bigger you get, the more you want to control your workforce. Uh, I use control that word loosely here. But the more you incentivize your workers to be super focused on a specific thing and to not 
think outside the box as much, either on purpose or by accident because of the rules you've set up and the procedures that you've set up. Now Tesla has an army of 110,000 people where each one of those 110,000 people could come up with a brilliant idea that's going to make the company faster or better or more innovative or safer, okay? They flipped the game and it all comes down to trust. It all comes down to trust. That is why Tesla is so freaking fast and so freaking innovative because they trust. They trust. Everybody who works there is trusted to do the right thing. Everybody who works there is empowered to do the thing that they want to do that they think they can do better. And the bigger thing is that if you mess up and if you make a mistake, you don't, you're not punished for that mistake. They give you the ability to, well, the world that we lived in, the way my sort of leader put it is that, and I'll, you know, drop an F-bomb here, apologies. He's like, hey, I don't really care if you fuck it up. I just want, want you to fix it in 24 hours. You have 24 hours to fix it if you fuck it up, okay? So that was like a, a, a different way of thinking, right? So I was essentially given the ability to mess up. And the secret is, is that when it comes to innovation and trying new things and, and getting things to be better by an order of magnitude, not just 10% or 5%, but by an order of magnitude, you're gonna need to break stuff. Sometimes you'll have to break stuff because it's in that broken mode that you find that secret sauce, that little nugget that you're like, holy crap. Okay, so I broke it and we're 90% slower, but I, I did not expect this flow to appear. I did not expect this sort of behavior to appear from the workforce when it's in this state. And then you take that baseline and you build on that and then all of a sudden you're two, two times faster, right? So oftentimes you have to break. And a lot of times workplaces, I think, of try to approach innovation way too scientifically. They try to approach it in a way that's way too reserved and like it has to be like peer reviewed and somebody with like an extensive background has to, has a step-by-step -step method to try and get you there, okay? And I'm not shitting on these methods. I'm just saying like, usually that's what happens. That's why consultants are so popular. That's why they make so much money is because companies bring people to consult them on how to do things better. But in reality, what I learned at Tesla is that the best way to get faster and be innovative is you just have to have a bunch of people that are very creative, are extremely hardworking, who are brave enough to break stuff and who are committed enough to fix it if it's too broken and are not afraid to try new things. And when you have 110,000 people at that company that you're hiring, that you're looking for that sort of mold and you give them the keys to essentially run the company, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to have a company that's going to be creating things that are way more advanced, way faster, way cheaper, way more innovative, way more fun than any other company with, especially within that size. So that DNA, that culture somehow, and this is where I think, I think people are going to, it's going to be one of the biggest things to figure out if we really want to figure out how to create the next generation of company and, and work culture is that we need to figure out how Tesla did this at 110,000 people, okay? That is a secret sauce. That's Tesla's secret sauce, is they know how to empower and trust those people to make the things for the company. Which then, by happenstance, what that implies is that Elon really is not doing that much as a whole. 
And I'm not saying Elon's not working hard. Of course, he's busting his ass. Okay. And if Elon, you're listening, I'm not saying you're not a hard worker. This is not my statement. My statement is that as a percentage of the total awesome things that are happening at the company, Elon is a much smaller percentage than probably most people know or think because that sort of environment exists. Okay. And I think if Elon listens to this, he would agree with it. To be completely honest, I think he would. That's why Tesla is Tesla. That's why SpaceX is SpaceX. That's why every company that he that he leads, in my opinion, is as successful as it is because the employees are truly empowered. What's the flip side of that? You will sometimes have situations where some people will break things really badly. Or they will do things that are not within the within the confines of what the company is uh, teaching or teaching or, or encouraging its employees to do, okay? When you have that much trust and freedom and you have 110,000 people, you're still gonna have the risk of somebody coming in and breaking it beyond repair, beyond repair. Breaking it so much that it requires an outsized effort to fix it, put it that way, okay? But that's the price you pay if you wanna grow as fast as Tesla wants to grow and they want to change the world the way they want to change the world, okay? Because the opposite is status quo, corporate America, boring, repetitious, people hate their jobs and nothing fun gets made. Nothing truly deep and passionate and something you can resonate with gets made. That does not exist, okay? That's the price you pay. And luckily for Tesla, they have an excellent group of people and group of leadership that when that stuff goes down, if that person, if they can't figure it out and fix it, whatever the context of that is, gone, bye, bye, right? Another reason why Tesla trusts its employees so much is because they trust that when the wrong thing happens, they have the right structure in place to deal with it and deal with it very quickly, okay? Yeah, so I hope that gave you a little bit of context into um, why Tesla is so fast and I hope you can see how those two things are tied, sort of the full self-driving thing and the speed of innovation and whatever that I just went through this whole, well, how long is this video now? 35 minutes? <laughs> this whole thing that I went through. So I hope that uh, helped you uh, maybe paint a better picture, a clearer picture, just based on my experience. I'll end the video by saying that I do not speak for every Tesla employee, not at all. These are my opinions. Like this is what I think is why makes Tesla so successful. And um, I could be 100% wrong, but I feel pretty pretty strongly about this. And uh, I saw it firsthand. I've been following the company since 2012. I feel like I have, uh, I've been very blessed and lucky to have this sort of unique insight into this company in this way. And I, I'm very confident that's, that's the secret sauce. So like if you're a company out there, that's say over a hundred thousand employees and you want to be as fast as Tesla, the one thing, literally the thing that you should do the thing you should do is you have to break apart every single structure you have that tries to limit your employees and just open that sucker right up and be prepared for things to break often and quickly and sometimes very, very painfully. And so you're going to require some sort of time commitment from your folks that says, hey, we're going to give you freedom to find the right solutions. But when stuff breaks, be ready, be ready to fix it because it's going to suck. It's going to suck. But when you have that thing built, that's going to be 10x better than whatever you did before. And it's going to be 10x better than your competition. 
you have to ask yourself, do I want that? Is that something that I'm comfortable with? Is that something that makes is going to make me happy? And if and and then the goal is to find those people that that are connected to that and find that outcome uh, invigorating and something that they want to be a part of. And those are the people that you you desperately empower as much as humanly possible, and you reward them, and you move them up the ladder, right? And then they become your leadership group, and then those people pass on their knowledge to everybody else that's reporting to them or uh, being mentored by them. And then before you know it, you have this hierarchy or this thing of, of, of a staff where everybody's bought in. But that transition will suck so bad. <laughs> and most companies will probably fail when they try to do that because they don't have the right culture. But at the very least, at the, at the very least, they would have tried to make a better company and they would have tried to make the ultimate thing that they can make for themselves. Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you in the next one. I hope you have a great day. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. <laughs>
Listen to me. 